Thursday night on the Fan Pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 Fan. Ailish Forfar, Justin Cuthbert. We're going to be joined on the back half with Jackie Redman, friend of the show. Uh, it'd be great to have her on 6.30. But we'll kick things off with Nick Kiprios. You just heard from him, and we kept him in the studio. We locked the door so he couldn't go anywhere. Uh, Kipper, thanks for staying on with us. You've had a couple American Thanksgivings in your lifetime. Yeah, always uh, amazing to be uh, a Canadian hockey player playing uh, in they the U.S., well. where I spent the majority of my career. So uh, always managed to get two turkeys in a very <laughs> short period of time. Is that your go-to? Like you just a yeah. plate full of turkey? As long as you invite mom yeah. twice. Okay. It works. It's the winning ways, eh? All right. Well, uh, we'll let you get home to whatever you've got on for dinner tonight. But we wanted to keep you around and talk about Klingberg, of course. Uh, the news today, LTIR, I don't think many people were surprised, but I guess it is the reality of the situation now. How did, how did we get to this point? Because it seems like it was written in the stars from July 1st. Well, it, it, I think it's a recurring uh, situation with him. He had uh, surgery on his hip uh, earlier in his career and where it was between then and now is anyone's guess. Um, but clearly he's got something uh, bothering him to the point where he doesn't feel like he can uh, play at a level that uh, he's maybe accustomed to in his mind. Anyways, I'm not sure where the Leaf fans sit on that, but uh, the feeling was that they were going to give it a, a, a week or two to maybe settle down. Uh, that hasn't been the case. And now it's uh, decision time for, for Klingberg in terms of how he feels like he can move forward uh, with whatever's uh, bothering him. And there's two scenarios, Ailish, I think uh, the Leafs and, uh, and Klingberg are looking at. Number one is getting the right advice to see if he can manage through this, meaning what can I do, take two weeks off, take a month off, take four weeks off, mm-hmm. try to manage it and play through it, or... Does he have a, a surgery that uh, maybe can rectify that? And uh, the feeling is if he does go down the path of surgery, he sh- probably will be done for the season. So you mentioned that there's a history here, uh, and yet it was an acquisition or a signing that was prioritized on July 1. Happens July 1, you think, okay, this is one of our top plans here. Like, we're, we're not waiting until the end of summer to make this happen, take this gamble. We wanted John Klingberg right away. And for that reason, it doesn't kind of add up for me. I'm not sure if we should have the tinfoil hats on. Uh, but there's this, the two things that are true to this season is that John Klingberg was always a question mark in some ways. And that there's always been a need for more defensemen. So was this like a r- low-risk gamble, low-risk in that, hey, if he doesn't play, then we'll just move on and we've always had to add anyway? Like, what do you, what, what do you yeah. make of prioritizing this and understanding that this was a very likely conclusion all along? Yeah, I, I think, Justin, for sure, it's a, a legitimate uh, point that you're, you're bringing up is what did the Leafs know? What did... Uh, John Klingberg know about his situation? What was the likelihood that he would be able to stay healthy? Um, I think when you're dealing with an unrestricted free agency and uh, you got to make fast decisions and you're up against maybe another team, uh, I don't know how deep you want to go into uh, researching or uh, obviously there's medical records out there and there's physicals that could be passed, but I, I don't know in terms of how deep the the Leafs went with this or how much maybe John was withholding on, on any information. But, you know, the bottom line is it's a risk no matter what, who you sign uh, that time of year. I think at least 
for Leaf fans and even Brad Tree Living, uh, you know, they they can go back and say, you know, it's a it's a one year deal, mm. and there's always the option of long term IR. Now it takes two to dance. First of all, John Klingberg would have to be a willing participant mm-hmm. to 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 put himself in a position of uh, of saying that I believe that my season's done. And you know, let's not forget, just because he's on long term IR doesn't mean that the Leafs can shop tomorrow for a four million dollar defenseman. If in fact that he comes back in the new year, mm-hmm. come January, February, March, uh, the Leafs would have to have room to bring him back. And uh, if, in fact, that he, he, he writes off the rest of the regular season, now you're in a scenario much like we've seen with Vegas uh, bringing back their injured players after uh, the window or Tampa Bay before that. The Leafs have that option, and it's a legitimate option that, uh, you know, say what you will, circumventing the cap, okay. I mean, big deal. You're being accused what three other teams have been accused. It's there. He has a legitimate injury. I think it's up and up for them to exercise uh, these options. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and that's fair. Uh, But what's also fair is it's not Nikita Kucherov or Mark Stone. It's not like you're stashing a $10 million, uh, at least in terms of value player. It's a guy who may or may not be able to play in the league anymore. So it is interesting in that sense, but maybe there's a world where rehabilitation happens for a few months and then voila, uh, start the playoffs and maybe he's an option. So what's the plan now uh, for the Leafs? Is it to ride Lagason and Benoit? Uh, in the in the uh, medium term here, do you look to Connor Timmins? How do you think yeah. uh, this plays out in a world that no longer involves well, John Klingberg? I, I don't think we're going to hear anything out of Klingberg, Klingberg's camp or, or the Leafs for the next seven to ten days. That would be, again, uh, going to see the specialists and uh, uh, getting the proper x-rays or MRIs or whatever you need and then coming up with a, a game plan. So, uh Short term, as early as this weekend, to answer your question, yes, Connor Timmins mm. uh, had a really good training camp that I think raised eyebrows. But you know, let's not forget, it's training camp. He wouldn't be the first guy to look really strong in training camp, um, only to have a different look once the regular season starts. But uh, beggars can't be choosers. Whether you're the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers right now, uh, both clubs know that there's a deficiency on the blue line, um, but it's not easily uh, fixable. And for the Leafs, they're going to have to be patient here, and they're just going to have to see what Connor Timmins can bring and just hope that they can hold water until they can make some definitive decisions. And if, in fact, that Klingberg's money comes up, they're going to be in a really strong position to go out there and, and add some significant help. How would you evaluate, like, how desperate the Leafs are? We talked to Don Waddell yesterday, uh, GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, and he we asked him specifically about trading when you're in a spot of need and how teams can, you know, fleece you, in a sense. If the trade deadline comes and Klingberg's in this murky middle, like, do you think teams can take advantage of the Maple Leafs in that sense or that they'll be able to find a way to, to really make an improvement regardless. Yeah, to answer your question, yes, it does exist where you see uh, a team w- at a weakness. Yeah. And, yeah, you do want to take advantage of it if you can. And I would think that the Calgary Flames, uh, with their decisions on Zadorov, and we believe Zadorov will be traded, uh, not sure about a guy like Hannafin, Tanev in all likelihood. I mean, they, Calgary's got some some nice pieces, but... The Leafs aren't the only ones that need help on the blue line, and there's 
a lot of teams south of the border right now, after they are finished their turkey, they're going to be calling Calgary up and saying, hey, I, can I have one or two of those guys and what's the cost? But um, the Leafs at least are in a position, and I wrote a, an article today in the Toronto Star that uh, says that, uh, you know, maybe one thing that the Leafs could be um, thankful for is the fact that uh, they're not in Edmonton's position. That's a really desperate team right now, Ailish. At least with the the core four as, uh, forwards and, and Morgan Riley, uh, th- there's no real threat that the Leafs will be in a position to, to miss the playoffs. So the Leafs can be a lot more patient than, say, the Edmonton Oilers moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all we're never going to get the answers, but I I wonder, and my tinfoil hat theory might be was uh, could could Klingberg get you to the trade deadline? And and I think maybe with this answer or this news, uh, he couldn't get them to the trade deadline, and they might be a little shorthanded for a large part of the season. But there's no doubt, uh, bef- even before the season started, that they were going to go out and shop. Just how desperate are you, and when do you need to make that move? Maybe desperation a little bit less in the top six or in the top nine. I should say, because things have settled down here. I, I think the the thing that maybe speaks the most, besides the William Nylander experience in Sweden, uh, the other real positive was Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, the concernometer was really moving quickly <laughs> about a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it's flickering anymore. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think uh, uh, it, it all depends. I mean, he's being paid $5.5 million, mm-hmm. and that is a heck of a lot of money. And I think it would be a... Uh, a disappointment to see Bertuzzi end up with 20 goals and 20 assists. Um, you know, the, the vision when you signed him to 5.5 million was to run with Matthews and, and, and Marner. Mm-hmm. And I, I think deep down, there's still a plan for that to happen. Um, but you gotta, you gotta walk before you run. And he walked to start the season. <laughs> they, yeah. They're trying to get him to run now. I think, uh, after American Thanksgiving, and if if he can, I think that's still your number one priority, that he needs to, he's being paid like a number one left winger in the National Hockey League, and he hasn't really been there yet. But to your point, at least it looks like he's coming out of something, and and that's a good sign. Uh, Matthew Knives has done, for the most part, really good job of at least helping you, you know, stay afloat on the left side. Mm -hmm but still very young, still very inexperienced and still learning the pro game. And that's where you need Todd or uh, uh, Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi to take over here. So I think it's trending in the right direction, but it's still got a lot of work to go still, Justin. A similar, I guess, wavelength is the fit that we've seen with Robertson and Domi. And maybe this was a conversation we were also having about the concernometer when didn't feel like they had found their place yet. Domi was new. Uh, Bertuzzi was new. Uh, everyone was kind of like, did they make the right move? So why are those two working so well now? Has everybody found their footing there? Like, has water found their level a little bit yeah, where they belong? I, I think with Max, yes. And, you know, there's there's some nights when Max looks like he's going and he's looking towards 14 or 15 minutes. I know the other night I think he played eight or nine. Um, but Max is a, a really good skater. And I think uh, there's a... There's a little bit more freedom with him in the middle than than on the wing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know for the for the most part uh, it has turned around for Max uh, in a positive way. I, I know he wants to score. I know he can score, and I think it's only a matter of time before that happens. Do I envision Ailish uh, a line of Max Domi and Nick Robertson and I say Yarncroc in the first round of the playoffs? No, <laughs> I I don't. 
Uh, but again, uh, Leafs are seem to be in a good spot. Uh, they're starting to accumulate some points. Uh, the big boys seem to be able to kind of carry the mail right now. And whether or not we're going to continue to use the the term uh, uh, outscoring your mistakes uh, remains to be seen. But they're doing it right now, and they're, they're still doing it mainly on the backs of uh, four or five guys. But it's good enough for the end of November and going into December. I, I don't know what it looks like come April, though. Last one, uh, Kipper, because we've kept you pretty long here. Uh, we had Frank Saravelli on yesterday. Uh, we asked him what the value of William Nylander is. He wanted an eight-year uh, valuation, uh, or we wanted an eight-year valuation. He said minimum 11.5 at this point. Have you reached an $11.5 million valuation on William Nylander across an eight-year span? Uh, there's no question uh Again, I, I wrote about this uh, last week that uh, he is a, a top 10 guy and he will fall in between Matthews and Marner, who's at 10-9. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it starts, I think, at 11 and how high it cl- climbs remains to be seen. Pasternak, 11 and a half. Uh, he likes it here, so there's going to have to be some sort of wiggle room just in terms of maybe bringing it down a touch because the Leafs can add an eighth year and they can certainly front load it uh, and make it uh, uh, lockout proof or strike proof where you get all your money. Um, you don't, you don't yeah. stop getting paid because of a, of a potential lockout that mm-hmm. might still be out there in a few years. We don't know. Um, but it's lending towards that they've, the, the, the Leafs have now come to the conclusion that he is legitimately an 11 or 12 million dollar guy and uh they're gonna have to work around it can buy a lot of turkey with 11 and a half million bucks. <laughs> and all the sides the biggest the best sides. turkey you've ever dreamed of in maybe your life a couple and all more the shirts yeah, yeah a couple more of those and maybe the swedish sponsors the sweeter sponsorships that he might have got when he was over there can help uh kipper we appreciate you taking some time with us thanks uh thanks for coming on and we'll let you go now okay. all right thanks guys all right appreciate so it, it is american thanksgiving which is always a good point uh for a little bit of a reference on teams that usually make the playoffs around this time so it's a bit of a traditional landing spot to do some evaluation uh, last year at American Thanksgiving 13 teams that were in playoff spots ended up making the playoffs so that was 81% of teams in a position made the playoffs uh, over the last eight full seasons 98 of 128 teams did make the playoffs that were in this position so that's about 76 and percent so traditionally this is a really good landing spot to have an evaluation of okay what are the teams up to how are they looking so if you look at the western conference picture here uh there's definitely surprises on both like this hasn't been the most traditional start for the eastern or the western conference you got the stars avalanche and the jets atop of the central the pacific you got the golden knights defending champs there canucks obviously number two and kings number three a couple wild card spots with the blues and the kraken having those ones right now it's a good spot for us to to have a little bit of a, a surprise factor or teams that have, you know, blown away what we've thought, early pre- season predictions. Um, do you want to start with Eastern Conference, Western Conference, or in general? Uh, just in general, yeah. I mean, this is an obviously an important date, I guess, because things don't change too much, as, mm-hmm. as you outlined. Uh, and, you know, the, com- the conversation will center around the Oilers because, as we just saw in that graphic, they are so... <laughs> far down and yeah it's possible for a couple teams to turn things around early season struggles put them behind you 
But does it feel at all like the Oilers are prepared to do that? Like, I almost think this conversation shouldn't involve the Oilers when talking about the teams that could make up that ground. Yes, they could. But if things continue in any way like they are, they really have no chance. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, it's like we're nearing miracle territory for them to get back in it, even in a Western Conference Mm -hmm. that has a couple teams holding down wildcard spots that may be considered vulnerable. So I, I do think we should look outside the Oilers and just pinpoint a couple teams that are interesting right now in terms of where they're standing at U.S. Thanksgiving. We spend a lot of time talking about the Edmonton Oilers, uh, almost in a in a hopeful sense of like, well, okay, we're going to watch them again tonight. Like, can can they really lose again? Is and, this the time where and, they start moving in the right direction? Unfortunately, they do lose again. And, and the answer is no. And, and you got <laughs> Leon and Connor consoling each other on the bench. That like, was kind it of just sad feels, image. yeah, it feels really, really hopeless. Okay, let me give you some hopeful picks then, or or things that have surprised me in a positive way. Let's do it. Uh, Arizona and Anaheim, both teams were in the bottom of the NHL last year. They're both only three points out of wildcard spots themselves. Anaheim was the 32nd place team in the NHL last year. The 32nd Mm -hmm. place team. That is the last, last, dead last, bottom of the NHL. Uh, Didn't get number one pick, though. Uh, But they are... Almost in a wild card spot as of today. Uh, they've been a team that I think people have been excited to see if they make that jump. They have clearly made some sort of jump to start this season. Is it sustainable? Is going to be the way that I end every sentence here. Arizona only three points out of a wild card spot, and Anaheim only three points out. We'll see. But that's been really nice because we spend a lot of time making fun of Arizona, Mullet Arena, having no money, getting kicked out of their city, but they're just quietly doing well. So just we'll give them their moment. It's interesting because if I th- if I was to name three teams that don't want to be good, Those I think two. <laughs> Anaheim and Arizona would be there, right? Yeah. Because Anaheim had a decent start last year, started like trading off assets. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, we're not ready to do this yet. We want to be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, which again, they were in position and didn't end up getting the player, which sucks. But I feel like they wouldn't mind, you know, hovering near the bottom again to make sure that they get a good draft pick. Maybe Arizona mm-hmm. less so because Arizona... You know, they have like a plan where like, you know, they want a new arena and they want to be good then. They don't want to be great until they get that arena. But I do think they want to win some games and try to sell as many tickets as possible. So those are two interesting teams. But I think that might say more about the mediocrity of the Western Conference. And they're both on two or three game losing streaks or three or four game losing streaks. So this actually would have looked better if we did this a couple days ago. But they're both tied with 18 points, uh, three out of a wild card spot. All right. Who do you have? Uh, I think we got to, I mean, mine's less optimistic. I I think we got to talk about the Devils uh, because the Devils are a team that a lot of people were picking to win the Metropolitan Division. A lot of people, if they're like, there are a lot of conversations like, you know, the next five years, who are you banking to guaranteed win a Stanley Cup? It's always them and the Canes. Devils and Canes Mm -hmm. up there. But Devils were the upstart ones that haven't had the disappointment yet. But this has been a really disappointing start. Now, they lost Jack Hughes for a good portion of the season but Jack Hughes doesn't really affect giving up goals, and they're a team that's given up a lot of goals right now. Only the Sharks, Oilers, and Wild are the teams allowing more goals. Their save percentage is bad, but their expected goals against metrics are really bad. They may have survived the Jack Hughes injury because they're still technically 500, but maybe they're not very good, or at least as good as we thought. And it's really hard to make up ground, especially in the Metropolitan Division, where it seems like every team is winning. There might be a couple really elite teams in that group and yeah they're gonna have to not only get to the hurricanes capitals and rangers they gotta chase down the penguins who are gonna be in in the Mm -hmm. conversation as well and maybe the flyers will stick around so i think right now in terms of big surprises it's where the devils are okay i have another one in the metro how about those philadelphia flyers they have been a team that nobody has had faith in and they for some reason they came out real hot to start the season as we know they've kind of fallen off a little bit but they're one point behind toronto 
They were also in the bottom of the, of the NHL last year. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if I, I really believe it, but the Flyers deserve a little credit as well. Um, one more for me. That's obviously the Golden Knights. Uh, no Stanley Cup hangover. Sometimes we do predict teams kind of take their foot off the gas pedal. They won the thing. They celebrated. Is there an urgency to do it back-to-back? Some teams have it, and they certainly do. Uh, second in the NHL behind the Bruins, of course, who are probably the biggest surprise as a team that lost a lot of their heart and soul and still have been almost as good as last year, maybe even better. So mm-hmm. Vegas, no cup hangover for them. Uh, the last team I want to talk about is the Ottawa Senators, and this one, I guess, would be a little bit more optimistic. Mm-hmm. It looks, though, pretty bleak, right? You like you see them in the standings. Yeah. Uh, they are ninth in the wild card chase. They are last in the Atlantic Division. But if you look a little bit closer, and there they are, 15 games played only. 16 points in 15 games. They technically are above 500. Not technically. They are because they're 8-7 and seven on the season. The schedule has not worked out tremendously well. Why haven't they, they went played to, any games? They went to Sweden, <laughs> but they still are catching up to a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who also hmm. went to Sweden and played in a couple extra games. Plus 8 goal differential. This is a team that's won three in a row. Okay. The Ottawa Senators might be the team, maybe just based on the scheduling alone, that makes up the ground and is one of those few teams that's able to switch things up at U.S. Thanksgiving by virtue of the fact that they just haven't played as many games as most teams. So maybe buy low right now. Yeah, buy low, They're I guess. They're on a three-game winning streak. I just checked. They are on a three-game winning streak. Maybe keep an eye out for some I, odds I just, on the I just, think, I just think the I like Senators that. are a team that you maybe should not be or looks a little bit funky where okay. they are considering how they played pretty well this year to start. Okay, we can check some odds on that uh, during the break, but it is time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, clean sweep for us yesterday. It Wings was a good night all for around. us. Um, I'm going big and bold <laughs> with my prediction tonight because I'm on a winning streak, so I can do whatever I want. Uh, George Kittle has had two touchdowns in each of the last two regular season games versus the Seahawks. So I'm going to bet him to get two touchdowns again tonight. Uh, it is spicy. It is plus 1150, but it's going to be a high-scoring game. I like the over, and I like George Kittle to get two touchdowns tonight. I also like George Kittle. Oh, look uh, at I'm, go. I'm going to play a George Kittle prop as well, a pretty aggressive one, not as aggressive as yours. But if George Kittle, you're calling, the, like, I let you do the work here, which is good. <laughs> like you. you, It could be a big night. And you don't normally just score touchdowns. You pick up yards yep, you when, when you're scoring touchdowns. Generally, I, I think Kittle could have a big night against the Seahawks. Elite level tight ends against the Seahawks. Well, they've done pretty well. 63 yards uh, for Sam Laporta uh, in his game versus the Seahawks. Uh, David Njoku had mm-hmm. 77. Mark Andrews had 80 yards. So if you're an elite level tight end, you can you can eat a little bit uh, against uh, the Seahawks. Uh, mm-hmm. So I expect Kittle to score those touchdowns for you. Pick up yards for me. We cash these both plus money. Teamwork. We're going to be in great shape. So George Kittle night on the fan pregame over 79 and a half yards is plus 320. Let's high five through the screen. Can you do it? Boom. We got it. All right. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Um, I do have a little tidbit for you, which I should have brought up yesterday. And I apologize to the betters because I wasn't aware of the moon. The moon was very important today. You weren't uh, aware of the moon? The moon uh, and the Detroit Lions have uh, a, a relationship that... Is, spiritual Detroit lost today of course to Green Bay at 29-22 and this is now the 13th consecutive time that they have lost on Thanksgiving day when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase sorry say that again when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase the Lions have not won on Thanksgiving day they were 0-12 coming into today
Now, I just credited you for doing the work. Uh, did you do the work on the waxing gibbous phase of uh, moons? Um, I believe it's when the moon is not fully full. There's a part of it that's hidden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it is. So the not, waxing, a, not, not a full moon is what I you said. The waxing gibbous phase when the lit up part of the moon grows from 50% to 99% is just after the first quarter moon, and it lasts until the full moon. We should have known the moon because the Detroit Lions cannot win on Thanksgiving when it's in a waxing gibbous. Okay. I mean, I, I we should have known. We should have known and we should have bet this for you. on the Green Bay Packers today. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we're going to go around the NHL with Jackie Redman on the other side of NHL Network and TNT Sideline. And we're going to talk a little U.S. Thanksgiving with her, too, because she lives there now. Uh, we'll be back on the fan pregame on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Back on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 fan, Ailish and Justin. Uh, we were checking the scores at halftime. Apparently, Dolly Parton just crushed the halftime performance. Uh, Going to have to rush home and see that one. I guess there's just a performer for every halftime great. for all these games Thanksgiving. I guess Dolly right now, better than Jack Harlow, who yeah. struggled uh, yes. here in the first uh, performance. They really make a whole thing of this day. NFL really, knows what they're doing. Yeah. They and know Ameri- how to Americans celebrate. Thanksgiving. Tomorrow, Maple Leafs at 2 p.m. That'll be a nice, uh, fun, different thing for us. I guess last time we watched them, it was at 8 a.m. So we're progressing into more normal time. Yeah, I guess we're coming out of it slowly here. You know what's something that we haven't really teed up much is, okay, we got Bedard right. on Friday, but Saturday, it's the Dubis Bowl. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that's not a weekday, to be yeah. honest. Okay, so what are your thoughts? We have about to talk the, about it tomorrow. The Leafs heading into Pittsburgh to face Kyle Dubis's team. I wonder what the vibe is going to be around there. Like, obviously, you want to beat him, but I already saw some quotes coming out. You know, we really love Kyle and we respect him, and he was a good guy for us. Well, how could they not respect him and love him? He, they mm-hmm. did get a lot of money from Kyle Dubis. Mm-hmm. Maybe before you should have earned all that money. And I guess we don't have to make this about the contracts that uh, the superstars for the Maple Leafs are currently on uh, and how problematic they may or may not be. But Kyle Dubas was very, very kind and very loyal mm-hmm. to uh, the core four that he stood by, I guess, till the end. Uh, he promised that he would stick by them. He did. So if you're one of those guys, I'm sure you're not anti-Kyle Dubas. But did did he leave the team in the best spot? Did he hmm. do everything? Like, did he check off all the right boxes over the course of his tenure? No. Uh, do the fans still love him? Factions probably yes. Factions probably no. It'll be more interesting when Kyle Dubas returns to Toronto when we see all that. But uh yeah, I'm sure they're I'm sure the Mitch Martyrs of the world are pretty pro Dubas. That was the quote I saw. Yeah. Martyr was very complimentary. Uh we don't have Jackie yet. We're grabbing her quickly, but uh in the moment we do, we didn't chat me and you about our thoughts on Klingberg L T I R. Like did you see this coming? Is it Robidaw's Island? Is it an opportunity? You had a little tinfoil hat moment that you wanted to maybe lean into or at least consider. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think we'd be a little bit naive to not suggest or to not think uh, that in some ways I mean, they knew this convenient. was a possibility, right? Yes. Like if Bradshaw Living's first move, really, like one of his first things was to sign John Klingberg, mm-hmm. who had question marks surrounding him before this season ever started. So to prioritize that and to come to this conclusion, I can't imagine he's completely flabbergasted that this happened. That's that's really the only conclusion I can draw. The only thing left to see is if we do see John Klingberg uh, down the road. Uh, but we do have Jackie Redman joining us. Jackie, so good to have you. Thanks for coming on. It's been a while. 
I know it's been too long. I'm excited to see you guys. I feel like I almost said happy Thanksgiving, but uh, that's American Thanksgiving. Well, we not were saying to you. Happy Thanksgiving anyway. No, happy Thanksgiving to you. Your part, well, you're there. You. Um, I'm not really celebrating or doing any turkey or any of that, but uh, I am feeling very thankful today, as one should. Okay, that's what we love to hear. Um, we are thankful that you joined us, and we are going to put you through a little question game. Uh, Justin named it. It's called For Real or Phony? Basically, it's here's something so we're, disappointed we're by that. It's fine. Here's something we're supposed to know. It's American Thanksgiving, right? This is when we, you know, uh, teams at this point, 85% of them do make the playoffs. We have a large enough sample size to maybe know if something is for real or phony. The first one is about William Nylander. Him being the Maple Leafs best player. Is, is he going to be the Maple Leafs best player for the rest of this season? Is that for real or is that phony? Ooh, is he going to be the Maple Leafs best player for the rest of the season? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Willie. I mean, it just seems to be all coming up, William Nylander. So why not? I mean, I won't be surprised if Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner goes on a tear and just takes over the rest of the season and becomes that best player. But I'm gonna say that that Willie does it. You know, he's he's fighting for a contract. He probably feels like. You know, he hasn't been paid what he's worth um, on his current contract. So he's making the most of it. He's on Swedish talk shows <laughs> with Madison Beer. He's like wearing tank top. I mean, Willie has never really cared, I don't think, about the court of public opinion. Mm. Uh, but he just seems to have taken that whole mentality to a new level this year. And he's killing it so uh, good for him I'm I'm happy for him and um, I hope I hope that it continues I hope this continues to be the season of of William Nylander so yeah sure why not I we say he's it. for real I can't call Willie Nylander a phony You're I right. just can't do it no I guess uh, that's maybe poking a hole in my uh, my idea here but yeah I, I think it's for real too I mean Austin Matthews may score a bunch of goals maybe he wins the Rocket Richard but right now William Nylander's one of the best players in the NHL and the incentives not going anywhere unless he signs a contract I suppose. So I expect him to be uh, really, really good throughout. Uh, a team I'm expecting to be really bad throughout is now the Edmonton Oilers, unfortunately. Uh, and even if they're not this bad for the rest of the season, I don't think they're a playoff team. For real or phony, this start for the Oilers, Jackie. No, they're cooked. Stick a fork <laughs> in them. They are done. I had an argument with someone about this yesterday because they were like, oh, it's a tough, tough hole to climb out of. I said, it's an impossible mm. hole to climb out of. What do you mean? I, I mean, I just can't see a world, you know, all due respect to the talent of, of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I just don't see a world world where they can get this team out of this as currently constructed. I mean, it, it is an absolute disaster, and it's it's unfortunate. But I, I'm with you, Justin. I just don't think – I just don't see them rattling. I don't believe this team can rattle off even 10 wins in a row. And even if they do with the way the league is this year, I just can't see – I can't see them climbing up the standings. I, I just can't. Yeah. Although, I mean – the New York Islanders, I think they lost seven in a row or whatever, and they're only like three points out of a playoff spot. So maybe maybe it is possible, like talking myself out of it. But I think, I think the Oilers are cooked. I feel awful for Connor McDavid um, because it's just the league is better when, when the Oilers are competitive mm -hmm. and he's in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – 
it's uncomfortable at this point. It, it, it really is. It, it really is. It I, is. I, I was like 95% there until I saw him and Dreisaitl like consoling themselves mm-hmm. on, on the bench. I'm like, they don't believe now either. <laughs> like, they don't have a chance if they don't believe. They're cooked uh, like it's a re- bad it's turkey. Really, they are. It's really, it's mm, pretty sad. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess, dry uh, it would <laughs> dry be the, the bad turkey. Um, the devil's... The turkey is dry. There's no gravy in sight. Like, yeah, it's no, so... You right. can't even it's stomach it. That's exactly uh, <laughs> where the Edmonton Oilers are at. Uh, the devils didn't have or don't have the same like current upshot than the Oilers. However, they had just as high expectations and they're sort of languishing a little bit. They lost Jack Hughes. They're getting Jack Hughes back. We talk about, uh, you know, the percentage of teams that are in the playoffs at U.S. Thanksgiving and continue to be there throughout the end of the season. The Devils are one of those teams that have to make up the ground. They're not fully cooked, but are they getting there, Jackie? (laughs) I think they're teetering on the edge. Uh, and, and I say that because I think, you know, their core is still pretty, pretty young. Um, thankfully, they have a great coach. But I do think with the whole the whole Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving stat of like, if you're out of the playoffs at American Thanksgiving, your chances of, of making it are slim to none. I do think this is going to be a, a bit of a different year with regards to that stat. I just think there's how do I say this? There's so much parody in the NHL and not necessarily in a good way. Like, I don't think there's like a ton of really great teams, but I think there's a ton of mediocre teams mm. in the NHL this year. And because of that, I mean, I just, I just mentioned the the New York Islanders, right? Like the fact that they, that they have not been good at all, but are still in the mix to me um, is a sign that I think some of these teams that are on the bubble or, or have a little bit of ground to make up, not quite to the extent of the Oilers actually do have a shot. If they have a talented roster to make up that ground and be a playoff team. And I would put the New Jersey devils in that category. Like, I don't think the Washington capitals are a very good hockey team this year, and I, I looked yesterday at the standings. I was like, wait a second. I thought the Caps were bad. What did I <laughs> Like, I'm not even watching Caps games because mm. I'm like, eh, nope. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not into it. I don't think they're competitive. But they are competitive. And I think it's because there's, a, you know, I love the NHL. I love some of the really good stories happening in the NHL, like the Bruins and the Golden Knights. And, I mean, the Florida Panthers are, are have been a nice surprise. I just watched them last night up close. But... There's a, there's a handful of really, really good teams. And then I think there's a, just a lot of mediocrity. And, and I'm not trying to be negative, but I think in a way that is going to allow some of these teams that are struggling to make up lost ground and, and still be in it when push comes to shove in April. Yeah, the Washington Capitals, last time we watched them was when Ovi dove himself into the net because he hadn't scored a goal yet. Yeah, like 15 uh, shots he, in the game. He literally had 15 shots in the first period. That was the last time I watched Washington Capitals game. Uh, they've won five in a row, and they're right behind the Rangers. So you're right. I guess they, they yeah. figured something out or whatever. We'll circle Listen, back on that. shame, 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 shame on me. Shame. Oh, I didn't know that either. Um, okay, let's talk about a positive story. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks may be Canada's best hope to bring home a Stanley Cup. Is that for real or phony? Ooh, um, they have been a really, really nice story. I think if you have goaltending, you have a shot. So they have Thatcher Demko uh, playing well. They didn't have that last year um, with his injuries and stuff. So I like the story. I still, in my heart of hearts, like like to convince myself that the Toronto Maple Leafs are our best shot at a Canadian team taking home a Stanley Cup. But you're, you are what your record says you are. And the Vancouver Canucks, uh, they've been good. And, and Thatcher Demko, I think, puts them over the edge in terms of um, 
being the Canadian team that's more likely to win a Stanley Cup this year because I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Toronto Maple Leafs um, when the going gets tough this season. I think they're a great team. I think they're going to have a great season, but I just don't, I don't know. This is bad. Maybe I've just, it's all the scar tissue or whatever, <laughs> but I, I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and I go, yep, they're good, but I just, I are they going to win a Stanley Cup as currently constructed? I don't know. I don't know. Might be, might be phony. So, yeah, There's still a trade deadline down there. Might, <laughs> might be phony. I know, I know. But, like, <laughs> I just, oh, the Leafs are such a heart-wrenching mm-hmm. team sometimes. They have so much talent and so much potential, and, and their talent lives up to that potential every year. It's just everything around them isn't always necessarily good enough. And so will this year be different? I, I think it depends on what they do between now and the trade deadline. And will that be enough? Will the chemistry be there right away? What will the matchups be come the postseason? Are they going to avoid major injuries to major players? Like we don't know these things. And I feel like the Leafs are a team like one major injury, especially on the back end. And it's like, oh gosh, like what is this going to look like? And we're already kind of having mm-hmm. some of these conversations, even though Klingberg isn't what, you know, I, the front office had hoped he might become this year. It hasn't been a, a renaissance for him, but I just think that, um, I don't know. I just have a little bit more faith in the Vancouver Canucks, I guess. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah, I think Ty just goes to the goaltender, and the Leafs goaltenders maybe yeah. have sort of settled things down, but Thatcher Demko might win the Vezin Trophy this year, well and that generally you. gets you to... Uh, a better spot. Uh, The Bruins, I thought, would be in a worse spot, but maybe in a better spot. They are on pace, despite last year's historics, historical season for the Bruins, on pace this year to get six more points if it goes the way it has been going. For real or phony, the Bruins are better this year than last year without Patrice Bergeron. Ooh, better this year than last year. I don't know if I'm willing to say that yet, but how many times are we going to do this I with know. the Boston Bruins? <laughs> I feel like in the last like five or six years, there's been, I mean, the last two years for sure, but there's been other seasons as well where the narrative around Boston was, oh, they're, they're regressing this year. They're taking a step back. Not sure they're going to be a playoff team. And they just continue to kind of, um, come out and start the season by, you know, flipping everyone the double bird, uh, <laughs> if I may, but with those narratives and coming out and just dominating. So I think the Bruins are for real. I think they're a force to be reckoned with. I think they are, the guys that were there are, are livid about what happened last year in the postseason in the first round. And they're, they're kind of coming back with a vengeance this year and it's working and, you know, kudos to them, kudos to the coaching staff. They've, they've been fantastic. We'll see if they can, keep up this pace. I don't know if that will be possible, but I mean, I'm not going to doubt them. I, I doubt them every year and I just, we all look like fools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a dangerous game to doubt the Bruins. You just have to just shake your head. And, and they're goaltending. Mm-hmm. Like they're you talk about goalies. I mean, they, the tie goes to the Bruins with yes, their, their starter and their backup. And <laughs> I'm using the, the, you know, the Joey from friends quotes because <laughs> air quotes, because they don't have a starter backup. They have two bonafide starters. So yeah, gosh, why are the Bruins always so scary? Yeah. They're 79, 13 and eight in their last 100 regular season games, 79, 13 and eight. That's outrageous. Um, okay. Let's move off of them. Let's talk about Connor Bedard because we're going to see the, <laughs> 
uh, Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow against the Maple Leafs, 2 p.m. start. But you've probably seen a little bit more up close or, or at least followed it down in the States about Bedard. But is he that generational talent that we had said coming in, going to change the face of the NHL uh, and you know maybe make something special of the season? There's not a single thing phony about Connor Bedard. <laughs> he is the real deal times a thousand. I, I mean, you watch him and you're like, this this kid is electric and, you know, all due respect, he's not working with, with much, right? So, and he's being relied on, you know, pretty heavily um, in a lot of areas of the game, which I'm sure he, he thrives on um, based on his commentary, I think during the preseason about not wanting to come off uh, during, <laughs> during overtime and avoiding eye contact with the bench, which by the way, under underappreciated quality of Connor Bedard early is his honesty uh, with the media. Like I find him to be very entertaining and very forthcoming with how he feels about things. So for a young kid, I love that in a, in a first overall pick and a generational talent in Connor Bedard. We don't always get that sort of honesty and candor and personality um, from those types. And he he has these moments where I'm like, oh, get comfortable. Don't let the PR team tell you not to say anything. Like, mm-hmm. please keep being honest and, and giving us these, these great quotes. But um, I think the real tell for me, you know, I work with Darren Pang on the NHL on TNT a lot and we get to interview or, you know, have meetings, I guess, with coaches um, in the mornings uh, ahead of the games. And because everyone knows that Darren Pang is now a part of the Blackhawks broadcast team, um, I get to witness and be a part of a lot of conversations about Bedard with the coaches from around the league that aren't coaching him. And, and every single one, oftentimes unprompted, is like, wow, that Bedard, he is effing good, hey? <laughs> like the amount of coaches that are just saying that just in conversation before we're even talking about their team or the game, I think is is a real tell, um, the kind of talent that he is and will even become as he gets more comfortable in the NHL and, and over the years hopefully starts playing with a, you know, a more competitive team and a more competitive roster. So uh, based on just listening to guys that know a lot more about the game than me uh, and that coach teams in the NHL, just he preys on him. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I think he's going to be the real deal. Yeah. Or already is. I yeah. I, I think so for real uh, for sure. Okay. Last one for me, Jackie, uh, the San Jose sharks are on pace for 30 points this year. Oh the record for an 82-game season is 39, the lowest. It's 39, 1999-2000 Atlanta Thrashers. So do we have, for real or phony, historical misery here mm. with the San Jose Sharks? Yes. Yes. Yep. Wow. And, uh, you know, it pains me. It pains me to bring this up. But part of me, just part of me, because, you know, I feel I feel bad for some of the guys that are there. <laughs> because that's hard just to slog through an 82-game season at a historically bad uh great but um you know it just goes to show the real impact i think that eric carlson had on the San Jose Sharks last year um despite everybody not wanting to give him credit for what he was able to do um i know it's not the exact same situation but i do think um i think that tells you something a little bit for a lot of those ek65 haters yeah it's like uh you can't stop watching it like a car crash. Like you have, you're like, oh, I can stop oh, watching. Oh, I've stopped watching. Okay, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not watching. <laughs> That's how we felt about the Oilers, but we're still watching. So yeah. they're not in San Jose Sharks uh, territory yet. Uh, Jackie, oh. we'll let you go. Happy American Thanksgiving, even though you know where your allegiances lay here. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. <laughs> 
Yes, always, always a, a Canadian uh, to my core. I'll never, <laughs> I'm never going to be one of those people that's like, oh, I'm kind of American now. No, no. We'll like, claim we, you. we won't fault you if you just core. enjoy U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah, you can enjoy like, it. Have a turkey leg. <laughs> well, you know what? I I actually I did mean to like get a turkey and do the whole thing, but I I was in uh, Fort Lauderdale mm. last night for the NHL on TNT, and I forgot to like secure the goods mm. before today, yeah. and then had to drive the three hours. Nothing's open. Um, so it's just going to be a regular, regular, schmegular dinner for me, uh, after I get off with you guys. Oh, well, we appreciate it. Enjoy. And we'll definitely chat with you down the road. Great to, great to catch up, Jackie. You guys are the best. Uh, congrats on the new time slot well, and the new you. show. Uh, I try to listen as much as I can. Oh, so sweet. Thanks, Jackie. Uh, thanks, Jackie. That's Jackie Redmond, of course, of NHL Network, TNT Sideline, WWE, all over the world. Uh, that is our girl, Jackie. That's a busy individual right there. Yeah, didn't even have time to grab a turkey. That that's the the perks of being the best. Well, I was going to say I had a lot of time to, but then yeah, we yeah. already had Thanksgiving, yeah, already and I did. wouldn't make a turkey anyway. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, Don't there, have that capability. There was a few that we didn't get into, but I like that game for real or phony. I will give you credit. We came Justin. around. I'll give you credit because usually, you know. We, we got to get moved from that default where like my idea is immediately bad, no, and then no, I got to no. convince you. You have great ideas. It's just the for real or phony. I was kind of like. Is this name? No, it caught on by the end. I'm really it, proud it did, of you. It did catch up steam. I'm very thankful for you. Thank you. We'll see if that next was very October. Genuine. Next October, we'll see if you're the same, same um, place. Okay, same you know, state of mind. What? Well, Lana, end on something that's going to make us laugh. Let's do it. <sighs> Greg Popovich. I, I actually don't know if this is going to make me laugh. It's going to make me feel. I don't know. It's it's almost undescribable what what happened last night. Can we just play the clip of? Pop taking the mic mid-game to tell the fans to stop booing because this has never happened ever in the history of sport, ever. Excuse me for a second. Pop's on the mic. stop all the booing let these guys play? It's got old class. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. Pop telling the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard. But that's not San Antonio. Well, I don't believe I've ever seen that. That has never, ever happened, ever, in sport of any level. Are you sure? I would put some Bet Rivers credits on okay. it because okay. that is credits. outrageous that the head coach of a professional NBA team went during the game, grabbed the mic from the score table, and said, please stop booing the team. This isn't us. I cannot believe. I honestly stopped and watched it 20 times, and I sent it to you guys. Like, this mm. can't be real life. Uh, I think I think it's possible here that Greg Popovich has jumped the shark. I, I, I don't know if Greg Popovich is that guy anymore. And he says, like, this is not what we do here. Well, losing at the rate that you're doing right now yeah. is also not something that was supposed to be done in San Antonio. <laughs> like, there's not the pop influence, the pop effect. Like, I know they wanted to be bad for a while. I know they wanted to put themselves in a position to get Victor Wembayama. Are they getting the most out of Victor Wembayama right now? I know he had a good game uh, last night. When, you know, I, I maybe was helped along by the fact that <laughs> the fans were asked not to boo anymore. But I expect more from him. I expect more from the Spurs. I have expected more. And they've been serial losers now for a really long time mm -hmm. under the guy who has so much power and maybe, maybe, has, maybe has too much power now. It has yeah. never checked on that power. If you feel like you can just grab the mic and interrupt everyone and just give your thoughts. In the middle of a In the middle of an game. NBA game and no one's going to be like, hey, Greg, like, what are you doing? Like, you, you have too much power. You have too much power and no one checks you. And I think it might be time, despite everything he's done for that franchise, for someone to check Pop. 
because he's not really doing much to help that team win ba- basketball games, even despite getting Victor Wembayama. I don't know. Maybe another coach could do more with Victor Wembayama. Right I just now. can't believe you would tell paying fans what to do with their entertainment moment. They spent money to come mm-hmm. to the game. Let them boo. They have a right to boo. Whatever. Who cares? And then, and then he... it was it was embarrassing. Like if on it was like one of those things. You know, and Michael Scott, I'm an Office fan. Yep. He's doing his thing, and you're just like, it's oh cringe. my god, Michael Scott, stop. That's what it felt like. Or like Larry David, and- like. It was almost like a Larry David moment. And he swerves in the post game and sa- and explains that it wasn't about like being classy in San Antonio. We can we got time to play that clip. Pop explained yeah, himself and why he took the mic <laughs> in the post game. He basically said or he surmised that yeah, you don't want to get Kawhi going. Don't poke the bear. You don't want to poke the bear. So if you're not po- so it was about being classy and then it was about hey, let's not give Kawhi Leonard any more reason to torch us. Can you just imagine Darko Ryakovich next home game? When do they play at home next? Oh, uh, tomorrow. The Bulls are in town. Oh, there's some people you could boo, former Raptors on there the Bulls. Go. DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan's getting booed, and Darko Ryakovich goes to the mic and says, no, no, we don't do that here in Toronto. I would be, I would be shocked. I, I wouldn't even be able to, to communicate if I saw that happen in real life. Yeah, it was a bad look. To each his own, I guess. I did. did they end up winning? No. Didn't work. Didn't help much. Anyway. No, they, they, they extended a very long losing streak for it, the San Antonio Spurs, who, guess what, are the worst team in basketball. I would just say. Or at least the worst team in the Western Conference. It's rare in our profession to get to talk about something that you've never seen before. And that was something I've never seen before. And I don't know if we will ever see it again. So enjoy the unique Popovich moment that we all, unfortunately, kind of got on. Him about, but he I loved how much it. you hated that. By no, the way, it just was absurd. That's one of the me. like. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything bother you as much as that. Absurd. Did. All right, folks. We'll be back tomorrow's Friday. Happy U.S. Thanksgiving to our American friends and uh, enjoy some turkey. Go George Kittle. Yeah.